0: Hi, and welcome back to this week's episode of Mastering Agility, a podcast series with and for inspiring agilists, bringing you the best of the business. This podcast series is brought to you by agilitymasters.com, providing you with all the agile coaches and scrum masters you need. Make sure to go to the website to subscribe to the newsletter in order to stay up to date with the latest information when it comes to this podcast. In this week's episode... Joe Justice, founder of Team Wikispeed, TEDx speaker, founder of numerous other companies, author, trainer, leadership consultant, and all round awesome guy, will be here to talk to us about, well, basically anything. Just give the guy one word and he just takes off. We'll be talking about life on Mars, how to get animals to Mars, as well as AI. And we'll even be giving away one of his books, a signed copy of his books. Hey man, how are you doing?
1: Sander, this is already awesome. I'm glad to be collaborating with you today. Nice setup. Too bad you've got a bit of a cold, but we'll try to keep it smooth energy, not overdoing so you don't extend and you can heal up and it feels, feels good and positive. Let's nice. try to do that together.
0: Sounds good. Hey, what made you go to Mexico? Why are you, why are you in Mexico?
1: I can't get to my company's office in Tokyo. Um, travel is still restricted, coronavirus related travel. Uh, so I can't get to the office in Mexico. And my colleagues from Tokyo can't enter the U.S. Uh, more than a certain amount of time in a year, et cetera, et cetera. Mexico is a place where if you pass your COVID tests, you can come from, I think, anywhere. Okay. Um, and, and I don't know, at least a few months. I'm only going to be here for one month. But I'm here for for business collaboration with my colleagues from Tokyo. I couldn't get there. They couldn't get to where I was in the U.S. So we we met Uh, not in the middle. (laughs) We met a place (laughs) we could both enter, um, a place we could all enter, which is uh, Mexico City. And it is warm. So that's nice. Um, And it's also very affordable. So that's nice. But the compromise is internet access. It really depends. You can't say, oh, I'm in a business hotel. So it's good enough to do Zoom all day. That's not always true. Uh, So you really, I, I had to research fairly aggressively where the internet was not only fast enough, but also reliable enough. And that said, I've still had a couple outages. Um, So this is a country where they just have not invested in infrastructure. Um, I, I really dig looking at places like London and New York city that invested in infrastructure early. So as a result, they're very strong business hubs because businesses know the infrastructure is there. But in exchange, the infrastructure is really old now. So you actually have some real trade-offs trying to work out of New York or London. It, it's actually a little bit awful because the infrastructure was awesome 100, 150, 200 years ago. And now it's actually kind of outdated and crummy. Um, yeah. I, and then there's places that never made the investment in infrastructure, like Mexico City, where I am now, where it's spotty. And you have individual... Big companies but not a whole municipality you know with a huge amount of money so um, company main offices have tried to get trunk lines to the internet or excellent hot water or you know just fundamental infrastructure great trash removal great recycling they try to do it on an individual basis but then that's spotty because you don't have a whole region or geography that's behind that supporting it so I, I'm actually looking to see where the next business hub for digital business is going to emerge. And with Starlink, that might actually be finally fully privatized, finally at the micro level, but maybe not yet. Maybe for the next five, 10 years, it's still gonna be some town or city or region, but I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen like Tesla city global or whatever yet. Do you Um, expect
0: to to have a Tesla or Starlink? Or a SpaceX kind of city? Because if you can work from anywhere, it wouldn't make sense to get a full blown hub like Mexico City, like New York City, like Boston, like anywhere. You can do it from anywhere. Would it make sense to have a huge place?
1: So I I ran that experiment in 2019. uh, And the tech is even more awesome two years now later than it was. But in 2019, I got in my Tesla Model 3 which is in U.S. dollars, it's a $35,000 car right now. So it's, it's not incredibly unattainably priced. Uh, I got one of the first ones. Mine was $57,000, 58000 um, But now after tax credit, depending where you live, it might be less than $30,000 U.S. So quite similar to less than €30,000. Um,
0: yeah, that's very uh, payable, affordable, yeah.
1: yeah. Depending on where you're living and your current income, A large portion of the total global population could get one. Uh, Not everybody. Not everyone is at a level, depending on where you live, to to get one. Like in Mexico City, there's quite a few people around me where that would not fit. Right? They're not there yet. But uh, depending on where you are. So I have a 2018 Tesla Model 3. And I climbed in with a 4G cell phone uh, because 5G wasn't quite rolled out in 2019. And it's still kind of not everywhere but 4g, uh, mobile wifi. And, um, and I had a gym membership that let me shower almost everywhere. Um, and I, so I could get my workout in every day and shower and shave. And I would just work from the Tesla because I, I don't know how many people know this. Um, when you have an electric vehicle with a big battery, like a Tesla does, it's super comfortable. Like you truly can sit in it as long as you would have sat in a really nice office. It just holds the right temperature. It's quiet. Um, it, it's as nice or nicer than any office I've ever had. And another thing that I think most people might not even ever consider uh, is I'm uh, I think is 188 centimeters tall is is what that is. I'm six foot two.
0: Yeah, um, roughly. Yeah. Style i'm six five
1: ish oh wow okay um if i lean the front seats forward and fold the back seats down uh i can sleep very comfortably and there's (laughs) privacy that you can put around all the sides and again the car holds its temperature it's different than sleeping in another car it's as comfortable as any hotel i've ever been in i mean it's not big but uh I can fit a a standard size mattress in the car. So that's what I did. I had a standard size mattress in the car and I would put privacy shades over the windows and I just lived in the car for a while. Um, And that was partly by necessity. I actually had a few work tragedies as to why that made sense. But in any case, I I tried to work from anywhere for a while. And the internet wasn't quite reliable enough through 4G uh, when I was traveling around. There's some places where if I chose to just park there only, maybe I would have been okay. But if I wanted to just travel where I wanted to travel, I didn't have consistent network at that time in 2019. And then coronavirus, the gyms closed. So my ability to shower and get a workout in from wherever got disrupted. So I, I bought a travel set of dumbbells that put in the front of the Tesla because it's got another yeah, trunk. Yeah. So that, that became the gym, the mobile gym in the front. Um, but showering was still a real challenge. And staying at a hotel every night um, really racks up the cost. Um, and then uh, doing minimal laundry, socks and undergarments or whatever in the in the hotel laundry or, or hotel sink even and hang them up to dry. That worked out okay, but um, that accrues cost really fast. So the ability to work from anywhere I thought was not reliable enough for me to work online consistently and provide a good experience to clients in 2019 starlink may change that. And then the next step I do think is still a reliable place to get a relaxing shower and shave in. Um, so I, I don't think it's as fully portable yet. Uh, I, I think those are the, those are the gaps.
0: And maybe there's a different, different angle to that question. Cause less the, the last time that we spoke we were talking about being president of mars and how you would set up a community like that uh one of the most interesting talks by the way that ever that i've ever had it set me in all kinds of directions to to think about um but mars get, would give us a blank slate yeah now yes. how would you uh you've you've been working with us now you've been working with spacex and all different companies how would you solve or how would you propose to do, for instance, a scalable city, um, to, to mitigate these kinds of things?
1: There's what happened to me in Mexico city right now. And that's, let me see firsthand some types of living, some types of architecture. And one of the problems here, um, is, uh, you have the the haves and the have nots there's a lot of really destitute people. last night, I was having dinner on a sidewalk um, wonderful super affordable meat that had been grilled up in vegetables uh, on a sidewalk cafe style and at least five different children around the age of four to five or six years old walked up each one with an adult. The adult was usually playing an instrument and asking for, asking for money. And this is a, a political system here where it's perfectly acceptable to have the government let people die, starve to death, be homeless. That's perfectly acceptable. So the, the, uh, the level at which you can fail here is all the way the government will ignore you. Um, and strangely, there's a lot of places in the world like that where the worst case scenario is pretty bad. Uh, There's a few places in the world where the worst case scenario, the level at which the government will let you fall, is actually still pretty healthy and still gives you some opportunities to contribute or even be creative or even be relaxed. There's a few places that the lowest you can fail is actually not that low. Um, I wouldn't say luxurious yet. I haven't seen that. But but I, I think a goal, I will propose a goal is the lowest level that you can fail is actually luxurious. And I don't mean that expensive, but very comfortable, restful, supportive. And I think that's what you want. If you want a radically creative and therefore I will propose rapidly innovating society, which is what the Musk companies have created inside them. Um, So comfortable, comfort, security, uh, clean water, hot water when you want it anytime, uh, excellent internet, electricity to charge your devices anytime, safety, security, comfort, um, shelter, water, electricity, internet, food are free, period. That's just a non issue. Um, so, a system with a distributed, repeating, fractal structure of providing those resources, I think, is what a city is is what a town is and that takes me to the original plaza style of architecture that many old european towns did quite naturally and in mexico it's a hacienda so what you have is you have a like a little park or garden sometimes it's big but anyway a park or a garden and originally those were food so that's what you have it's a park or garden that's beautiful that's attractive you could sit in it and write a poem if you wanted but it's edible. They're edibles. And it's also originally, that was a place where you put your waste. Uh, so it's your compost. Um, your compost goes there. Honestly, I don't mean to be too weird, but, but that's where your poop's supposed to go. It's not supposed to go to a weird treatment plant and pumped into the ocean to, uh, create a bloom <laughs> of toxic bacteria. That's what's not supposed to happen. It's supposed to go back into your plants. Um, and And that's what a parker plaza was, and so now you do have issues. Let's make sure it's odorless, in fact, let's make sure it has a pleasant smell um, which is totally doable it's twenty twenty one we know how to make it not a bacteria place, not a germ place, and not a smelly place and that is the goal. Your poo is supposed to go into trees. that is how that happens <laughs> you have that. you have that as a core, and then you have a ring of homes or workplaces or. Stimulating attractive, comfortable, secure places around it. And that's your structure. So that's the, your hacienda uh, or your plaza or your architecture. And that's the core unit. Now, you make sure you have fast transit in and out of that thing into these other ones. And that's what the hyperloop should become. So you have tunnels that your Tesla zips through from one to the other when you want to go quickly from one to the next. And you have this ring of buildings around uh, a plaza that's full of wonderful, attractive, good smelling, edible plants. That is also your compost center and your recycling center. And and, and that's your hubs. That's your unit. And you repeat that to scale it throughout. Uh, I'm pretty sure that is the model. And that's what humans did a natural version of maybe 500, 600 years ago, pretty usually 300 years ago, 150 years ago broke, broke down. And we started trying to do something different where we'd create a toxic place, like a landfill outside in exchange for what we thought was an evolved place where people are. And it decoupled, uh, it decoupled that system. And that's what made it not scale. You, you don't scale that way when you, when you separate your toxic place and your beautiful place and the environmental crisis we're experiencing now is the toxic place has grown at a pace larger than the nice place to be. And so the toxic place is starting to press up against the borders of the nice place. And you have poor air quality. You have poor water quality. You have um, all the species that we used to think would live out there now have come over here because their habitat is, is no longer excellent and attractive and healthy. Um, and you have in india in in um, Mumbai, tigers, leopards, wildcats that don't have habitat anymore. and so they 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 will come into the place where people are living. Well, people have built houses in the place where those animals were living, and people freak out because there's these powerful, awesome hunting cats in their nice way to put where it, they built their house. And, and so that's this ramification of this separation um then the other piece is that sustainable building block does need to house more species than just humans especially if we're going to scale this to mars or throughout the stars so whatever species we decide we want to bring with us and i hope it's all of them um they need to be accommodated in a loving healthy happy way in that same hacienda that same um plaza model uh, so likely the second third fourth sixth 20th story of this ring of buildings is, is actually habitat of different types so that we can scale all life, not just humans, you know, a fully successful cross-functional biome, uh, which I, I think is the goal. I hope is the goal. Cause if we have Mars as a backup and it's just humans and we don't have dogs, cats, dolphins, hummingbirds, blue, the blue whale, um, That'd be super sad. And super sad is, is maybe not the way I want the future of, of life to be. So, so let's go to super awesome, which is the third story up happens to be aquatic habitat of a certain temp. And then the next one up is aquatic. And so there's actually a, a pod of blue whales that swims around above the plaza. One, it's beautiful. Two, it's inspiring. And three, it's probably ethical. Um, so I, I, I bet it's like that. to get that.
0: a whale up into Mars.
1: We're going to do
0: it. Yeah, that's going to be a challenge. But then you also have the terraforming idea of, of Musk. But what you just take a step back, the, the idea that you just sketched uh, made me think of ancient Rome and the Roman Empire, right? Where We've they done ha- this
1: before? Sorry. Y- yes, it's exactly that. The humans have done this before. The ancient Roman Empire is what I'm talking about, but with today's technology exactly.
0: stack. Except there was a point. I think it was 800. Uh, AC from the top of my head where apparently everyone became stupid and we just plummeted back in all the technology everything, all the infrastructure where ancient Rome would have saunas, they would have uh, heated water systems, they would have sewage systems and everything just went down that drain together with apparently the technology Um, the situation that you just described feels like we're on the verge of having the same thing happen all over again
1: I I agree with you, Sander. Sander, what's your thoughts about how to make the failure scenario less likely this time?
0: Um, The first thing that I would um, think of is to have a set of like-minded people because if you're going to have different scattered mindsets, um, then all the different agendas will come to play. So it would take a certain mindset to really start with it. um, Like-minded people. Um, before being able to spread with a different economy, I guess um, I think Switzerland has proposed to do to to have a basic salary across the entire uh, company, and I think they voted it down, so it didn't happen. But it's still a hot topic, and I think in this country, in the Netherlands, um, they're still proposing it every once in a while. I think that might be a good idea. Uh, has a as a hint of communism, so I'm, I'm not sure how it's going to work, but still, uh, that would. That would be one of the parts I guess that, that needed to fit. Um, yeah, it's, it requires such a similar mindset across everyone living there and that's hard to maintain. And I don't think you mentioned ethical. I don't, don't think that would be ethical. So I'm, I'm curious how, how anyone would deal with that and to tie that back to, uh, for instance, technology, how AI would be something that would help in that sense.
1: That's exactly where I wanted to take this. Sandra. do you want to cue that conversation up? Or do you want me to take this part of the conversation from here? Go ahead. Oh, oh okay. So I was lucky enough to uh, work in and live, tr- truly live in Japan um, for about a year and a half. And COVID disrupted that. I haven't been able to get back to my company's office in Tokyo for a year now. Um, something I... I'm not sure many people realize about Japan is there is almost zero petty theft. In fact, there's almost zero crime. Um, I mean, there's, there's some kinds of crime. It's, it, it's so little and safety is almost completely ubiquitous everywhere, nearly a hundred percent. Um I was shocked to see five-year-olds riding the train alone. And you can do that everywhere in the entire country. There aren't unsafe neighborhoods. That's not how it works. So you don't have to make enough money to live in the nice neighborhood. That's, that's, you, you don't have to in that country. And you can have your wallet or purse Forgotten at the train station, forgotten on the train, and it will be returned to you with everything that was in it. Basically, 100% of the time, extremely near 100% of the time, if you drop a coin on the ground, it will be available at what's called the Koban. It's, it's, um, It's like a little bit bigger telephone booth, and there's one on most city blocks. The coin you dropped will be at the Koban for you to reclaim it. Like that that is truly how this country operates now there's some things I really don't love about Japan and I, and that I think that country really could learn should they as a as a total culture and set of governments choose to be interested about creativity is discouraged uh, speaking your own ideas are discouraged as a result um, improvisational jazz is a tragedy in Japan it's just really hard to get spontaneously interesting music. Um, People don't speak up. People will say, yes, I agree with you when they don't. Um, People will say they're going to support you and do something when they know they will never do it because it's completely antithetical to them, but they won't tell you that. That'd be rude. Um, So you can't have a collaborative conversation on a game-changing topic easily. Um, So there's, there's exchanges. But what that did teach me is it is possible to have an extremely safe environment with the current technology act that's available in the world. That is possible. There are some places that do it. Japan is one. Um, so why? Why is that true? And it appears to be, I, I wish I knew all of the reasons why Japan is so safe, but it appears to be there's a connection between how school um coaches kids from preschool, they call it Yochen from preschool, to all the way through graduating university, there's a reinforcement of certain types of behaviors and there's an infrastructure that reinforces that. So almost every city block has a Koban, like I was saying that um police box. And there's a, a police officer standing in it. Uh, It's open. It's open to the elements. They have a coat on if they need a coat. That means they actually hear everything. They're not in a car with the windows up or they're not in an office with the windows closed. I mean, they actually can hear everything. Japan is also very quiet in general, almost everywhere. There's strict noise ordinance on on construction. There's sound deadening. Uh, The machinery, even heavy machinery, is very quiet. And there's noise meters on construction sites that show the current decibel level. And it's monitored. They're fined. Uh, the operations are fined or stopped if they exceed decibel levels. So it's very quiet. So you could hear if something strange was starting to happen, if it ever were. And there's a police officer on almost every city block who can hear. And they've got a stick. They don't have a gun, not that I ever saw, uh, but they have a, a stick that's like a wooden sword, right? Like a Kendo sword. So it's even more potentially high utility if they had to than a police club like I was used to seeing. Um <laughs> And, 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 and they're just calm and relaxed and they're not slouched. They don't look tired. I don't know how they manage that, what it is about the nutrition or sleep schedule or, or something. But in general, they all, all shift. They're standing in a, in a fairly alert, but restful posture and they're there. So they'll take the coin. They're ready to t- take the coin that a kid found saying, I found a coin on the street and they'll put it, they'll clean it and put it here for someone to reclaim or a wallet or a purse or a phone. Or if someone needs instructions on how to get somewhere, they're ready to be helpful. Um, And they'll blow a whistle if you cross the street against the light, right? They're there to, in a gentle way, give continuous feedback for the norms that they believe are important. Or if you're too loud, they'll they'll walk up to you and say, would you please be more quiet? And, And so it's this continuous reinforcement. So that's a job that is paid to do that. That's an infrastructure providing the space for the Koban. That's a set of laws, like if you exceed a certain noise threshold, it, it, your operation is suspended or you're, you're fine. All of these things combine to make this very peaceful, very safe, 24 hours a day. And, and it's not like at nine o'clock the police leave. I'm in Mexico City right now. And at a certain, I, I'm on the wealthiest street in all of Latin America. So all of Guatemala, all of Chile, all of Panama, all of Mexico, all of Latin America, this is the most expensive street to be on. And it's actually very affordable. The hotel I'm in has an incredibly good deal because of COVID time. Business meetings and travel are are reduced. So this very nice hotel is a great deal right now. And I'm spending almost no money to be here. Well, at a certain time at night, the police leave and this street becomes completely unsafe. And this is the most expensive street in the entire Latin America. Millions and millions, billions of people. This is where they wish they could be. And it is a completely unsafe, scary place at a certain time of night every night because they they disconnect that infrastructure. And even during the day when there's multiple armed with guns police officers and there's trucks going by with police officers who look pretty military standing in the back of the truck and there's smelly, loud trucks driving down the street. Well, in between, there's gaps in attention and there's still pickpockets. So I mean, you don't have this reinforcing system. Um, So I think this reinforcing system is the one of the purposes of government. I, I think that's what government is supposed to do.
0: Does it tie but I don't think Europe? we have to
1: wait for government. and You just beat up Standard.
0: Yeah, that, does it tie back... Sorry, go ahead one more time. Does it tie back as well to what you mentioned earlier about, um, for instance, being homeless and, and Mexico basically leaves you to die? I'm not sure how that is in in, in, in Japan, uh, but basically you're being forced to, I don't know, to, to commit a crime to commit any theft yeah. uh, because you don't have anything you don't have any options so there you got to do something to survive and i guess that's that's where people are being led into drugs i mean mexico has a, a very vivid crime scene a very vivid drug scene um unfortunately but you're basically being forced because you have no other options to get any money how is that in japan
1: yeah so um Hmm. This starts to bridge onto some of the parts of Japan that I think are are behind the times, other places. So uh, I don't know if I've gotten that one figured out. I've got some data that I, I think is is not helpful. Um, what I will say is there's almost zero homelessness in Japan. There's extremely little, and uh, the homelessness I did find was extremely polite and clean and friendly. Uh, there was almost none, and when it was there, it was extremely small. Uh, tarp over boxes, over a sleeping bag. They 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 tried to make it tiny. They tried to put it somewhere that looked like it didn't interfere. Was my impression, and they tried to be super quiet, not smell, be as tidy as possible. Um, is 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 part of it. I didn't have the loud, unsafe, smelly, violent, sprawling, full of litter that I've experienced many other places in the world. Like there was no litter. There was no trash at all around um, any of the homelessness I did see in Japan. And there was extremely little. Um, so I do think the government of Japan does allow homelessness, uh, not just, I need you to move, I'm going to burn your belongings, like happens a lot of other places, you know. Uh, in the in the U.S., that's that's what's done. The homeless encampments are broken up. It, it, it doesn't mean they've solved any of the problem, right? They're, they're made to move with by, by losing some of the things they have, is, is all that happens. Um, yeah. I, I don't think I have the answer. Now, drug culture, one of the reasons there's less of it in, for example, Japan, is it's strictly illegal. Um, and it will it will damage or end your career. And I actually think this is incorrect. Not that I think the world needs most types of drugs. Uh, I don't know. Maybe the world does. Uh, Marijuana is totally legal where I do live in Seattle, and it doesn't seem to disrupt Amazon, Microsoft, or Starbucks at all. It seems to be fully compatible with top-of-the-world companies, a loving family life, uh, a a vibrant educational society. It it doesn't seem to be the problem some people thought it would have been. And it's totally legal, totally allowed. Um, And the Netherlands has um, some of the best dance music In the world. And that overlaps a drug culture. And it doesn't seem to net, net be the tragedy that uh, some of Latin America has associated with their drug culture, right? Where children are forced to work in the drug trade, smuggling or creating or selling drugs, Um, people doing things against their will and even being killed to be hushed about it, or politicians being bought out. That doesn't seem to be, you don't have the violent drug culture that Latin America does in a lot of other places. So I don't think it's drugs. I think there's something about the way the business is run. But in Japan, the drug culture is extremely small because it's so illegal. Um, If you're an actor or actress, for example, and you've found to have ever smoked marijuana, even when you were visiting a place where it was legal, you will not get jobs anymore you won't be hired to be in movies. All your commercial contracts will be canceled. And that's for arguably one of the lightest drugs, marijuana, right? If you're a musician in Japan and you're found to have ever smoked marijuana, people will stop buying your albums. There's a social reinforcement. I actually think that is not helpful. I actually think that is not correct. Um, but uh, the, the, the point that maybe is useful is behaviors that don't fit are reinforced from many angles. That's not okay. Socially, business-wise. And and although I think marijuana might be one of the ones that is probably fine, um, what that does do is it really blocks many other challenges. I, I did want to try to finish a thought, Sander. So I believe the purpose of government is to is to make it so people don't fail as low as they would otherwise and to keep raising and raising as a minimum failure. But I don't think we have to wait for government. I I think if the government is not providing something, whatever it is, then that's the opportunity for business. Um, And I, I think there's a business to provide very attractive, healthy, sustainable safety nets for all people. Which is what Wikispeed is actually trying to do. And that's a a longer, maybe more interesting conversation. And I think that's where AI makes a really good play. Uh, I I do think AI, looking at history of, looking at historical data and current data sets, is a very useful tool. Tools like Keras, specifically machine learning tools that are scripted with Python, like Keras or Chainer, are really good at helping guide a company or a government in making strategic decisions uh, of of how to address problems that are viewed to be intractable, like violence around the drug trade or children begging. Um, I I think that is what will create a more optimum scaling of the space hacienda, the minimum viable cross-functional cultural sustainable unit that we can then scale out across the stars. Um, I I think ML tools like Chainer and Keras are the guidance that we'd want to couple with what we think of now as decision makers or even politicians to make this super awesome. And I think that's what Musk is trying to do. Actually, there's a ton of ML machine learning inside the Musk companies at the decision-making level at the, at the data processing and feedback level. Um, And I, I, I think that's that's actually the direction things are going, uh, and I'd like to help amplify that, make it happen sooner, and make it happen more broadly, and help dampen the opposition.
0: Now, Musk is is also very known, or he's known for not yet declaring the war on the artificial intelligence. For instance, that Google is trying to to put up. What's your take on that? Where where is in your eyes the limit of how far we can stretch AI, or to, to what extent is useful?
1: Mm-hmm. That, that's a really artful topic, Sander. And by artful, I mean the current state of AI is glorified number crunching. The cool thing is, glorified number crunching can do really powerful things. I, I don't think most people who are never a software developer understand yet how absolutely powerful just number crunching really is. But where it it makes the gap is there is an artistry that the messiness of biology uh, creates, this this feel-good factor. I do think that animals and plants as a symbiotic artistic element amplified by phenomenal number crunching which is AI, is the ultimate symbiosis. And most of us are not taking even a millionth of a percent advantage of the current ML, powerful number crunching. And the Musk companies are doing a little better than most. Uh, so getting to use the productivity features of our mobile devices better is maybe one of the smartest things we could be doing from preschool age on up Uh, like if i want to ask of these two business decisions what are the likely outcomes of both that is the a very high level gift of machine learning and most of us aren't using the tools well enough to have machine learning help us make that decision yet like should i choose a startup company or should i choose to get an online degree What are the likely outcomes of both? That should be an instantaneous feedback loop from our digital devices. And we can get pretty close to that now. Um, So we currently as the wetware, as the decision-making piece, and as the artistry and the, the gut mind is probably a really good thing, but we're not getting the, here's what the likely future looks like, which is what ML can do. Um, most companies are getting a little better than most people. And I think that's going to be the trajectory of these choices. Are there other choices that I'm not considering? And what is the likely outcome of all of these? And to obtain said outcome, what what are the other key variables, risks, or decisions that I or other people need to make? Right? How fragile are each of these likely futures? And I think that's what makes the world awesome. And ML is going to keep pumping that up.
0: What does pop to mind? Let's say we perfect machine learning and let's, let's, let's just for, for, for sake of the argument, use Google, Microsoft, and Apple, and let's say they all have the same machine learning algorithm. If we have perfected that model, doesn't that mean, um, that we all come to the same conclusion and therefore we kill any form of competition.
1: Hmm. I don't have an awesome answer to that. That, that is an intriguing thought. I, I don't have an awesome response at all, Sander. What do you think? I don't know. Yeah. I,
0: it kind of well, feels like the, the end of stuff in a sense.
1: Well, the way the future has, has, seems to have worked historically is there are a number of possible and probable futures. And the probability of each of those futures changes depending on other avenues, uh, other, other options, other key factors. Like um, if a meteorite slams into Mars right now and breaks Mars in half, that will change some of the future likely options, right? The probable futures will change. So there, there are factors that change in real time, the probable futures. Because of the fundamental randomness at the subatomic level of physics, um, string theory, the, as, as best we understand it now, there's fundamental randomness. because of that, there is not a predictive model of the universe, and it's currently believed that there that, that, that truly is not a predictive model of the universe. so there were always the, there will always be multiple probable and unprobable futures, and the probability of them will change in real time based on that fundamental randomness. What machine learning, if that's true, because that's what we currently think we know, right? And that might change. If those are true, and currently we believe those to be true or very likely, if those are true, then what machine learning can do is give us a shorter and shorter feedback loop as to which futures are probable, and if so, how probable. And there will never be 100% accuracy if what I previously stated is true. So that means we will always have multiple paths forward and we will always have a choice because some of the variables determining which future is more probable are manipulatable. We we can decide. We can make decisions now to make it more or less accurate. For example, we could make massive investments in far-reaching radar and nuclear systems that could move or swerve asteroids. Or we could not. And if we do, we've now intercepted the ability, uh, intercepted some types of meteorites from impacting different areas, depending on where we focus that far-reaching radar and and nuclear deployment, or or we don't do that, and we don't have the ability to affect those variables, right? So we can make choices then to amplify or dampen different probabilities, and so I believe um, consciousness will always be proactively creating. Outcomes um, and we'll have a shorter and shorter feedback loop, and therefore more and more effective choice of which of the probable outcomes are more probable and interestingly enough, because of the currently understood fundamental randomness of physics, subatomic particles, we will never have a hundred percent control, so we'll have an increasing control towards infinity towards hundred percent and never be able to t- t- uh, reach infinity which is a really inspiring story that we can always get better and it will never end and we have choice. So maybe it's awesome.
0: Maybe. We don't know yet. We just have to figure out. Hey, another topic and your background gives it away. Your book, Talk To Is About Your Book. How is it doing? What's it about? Tell us.
1: Sandra, I super appreciate it. I, I wrote three books during lockdown. Um, uh, the first is called good night, Nut, good night bolt. It's an agile children's book. And I, I read that to my kids, um, when they go to sleep in a relaxing way. So they learn what a wrench is and why you put a washer on a bolt and why, uh, a bolt head and a nut might have a nylon ring inside the nut. So it doesn't vibrate loose. And, and they understand that now at super tiny agents, they understand how to drill a hole in metal. And there, there's a, a really narrow technology stack uh, that if you understand it, you can build most things. And I was really happy to have figured that out. That's a lot of what WikiSpeed, my, my company gave me is an understanding of how most things in the world are made. And now I I can make a choice if I build or buy a lot of things like a table, a couch, a car, an airplane. Um, and I put that fundamental technology stack into a kid's book. Good night, not good night, <laughs> night Bowl with pictures. So the adult may be reading it and the kids may be listening to it almost subconsciously have I mean really you're just trying to relax and, and go to sleep when you read a book like that. But almost subconsciously you have learned what it look what they look like and how to use all the essential tools to make stuff out of metal. So actually strong stuff that you could use to make a bridge or a car or or furniture. Uh, yeah, and and it's it's all in that in that very small book. So I'm super proud of it and I think it's cute. Then I made a, a, a great an title. Book. Oh, sorry, Sandra, go ahead. Well,
0: it's a great title. Good night, good night, not good night, bold. I really like that.
1: <laughs> Thank you. It's pretty cute, it is. Yeah, um, then it, it was holiday time, um, holiday 2019, and the holiday stories were were cool and interesting, and the ones from my childhood were sparked memories that I was happy about, but none of them looked like they were advancing the ball, like preparing me or my kids for a more awesome future. A lot of them looked back at uh, an archetype of wealthy Europeans from 200 years ago. Candles, stocking hats, snow on the ground, horse-drawn carriages, a lot of the holiday stories were like that. And they gave me a warm fuzzy feeling because they were the holiday stories a lot of them I grew up with, but none of them were current or useful. And my kids were asking so many questions, like um, about two hundred year old affluent lifestyle in Europe, and not about the meaning of the holiday or or whatever. So I was like, this book is missing the point. (laughs) So I wrote, (laughs) I wrote one, and it's called Everyone Is Santa, and it's an agile holiday book um that uh that, that that says well well here's what an awesome holiday could be in a really easy and approachable way and it follows the story of someone who wants to give someone a gift secretly and the gift should be something that is actually useful and makes them happy um and and, and so they they watch the person first to to see what makes them what do they guess would make them happy or uh, I'm an agilist or fast. I wrote happy or fast. So happy or, or just have an easier time doing what they're doing. So essentially they're doing a retrospective on, on, on the person they're, 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 they're watching. Right. And they make a list and they, they make their list and they check it twice and then they index that against what they think would actually make the world a better place. So it's not just this person wants this toy, but, also, if they had that toy, it might lead to some net good future outcome. So they try to this 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 person that says they check that list with what might make the world even more awesome than it is now.
0: Sounds like they, they, they need give, some machine learning.
1: <laughs> I, I think there's an opportunity there for some good ML. And then they give the person the gift, and sometimes it's a secret who gave it to them, and sometimes it's not. And everyone is Santa. If you Give someone a gift to make them happier or fast. And you make it a gift that maybe makes the world a better place. for You try. And it might be a gift of service or it might be a product or whatever. And it can be anonymous or not. And it's all in cute kids' words. And I thought that hits what I wish the holidays meant. And I love reading that book with my kids. And I, I put some cute beta pictures in that I drew with pencil and pen in like 10 minutes. I, I hope to do a version, too, that has some more colorful, beautiful paintings, maybe some by me and maybe some by someone else, if someone wants to contribute. Uh, so that's that's the second children's book. Everyone is Santa.
0: Awesome, man. And then we have the Scrum Master in the picture behind you.
1: I'm really proud of of that book, that business book. It's, I think, 219 pages. And the Japanese translation just finished the preview, so 50 pages of the Japanese translation is now a free download. While the rest of the book gets translated for paper publishing in in Japanese, uh, the English version is is on Amazon and Lean Pub now. Uh, currently, the reviews are all five stars. Thank you so much. Um, I'm really lucky for that. Honestly, as a as a first time business book author, I think it's 100 pages too long. I, I think there's really a hundred pages of duplication or of less necessary words that should be cut out. The problem is as a first time business book author, I'm not sure which a hundred pages so i am hoping to get uh to get feedback and and sander, what I'd like to uh work with the podcast community and everybody is um for folks to redline the book, either send screenshots to you and me or a PDF, or whatever they, they like. And if I agree with those red lines, if I can execute those red lines and cut that content out, what I'd like to do is send them a free signed copy of the book, uh, paper, to say thank you for helping me find areas of the book to, to eliminate. So it's what's left is higher value. Because I actually think this is the best book on Agile ever. I really think I knocked it out of the park. I think I, mocked, I I knocked it to Mars and back. Um, I, I do think there's never been a more effective business book for, for taking advantage of what we call the agile methods. I, I think the content is the correct content. That said, I think my writing style slows it down. So if people can cope with my writing style, I think they will have the best book. On Agile Business. It's called Scrum Master, the Agile Training Seminar for Business Performance. If someone was starting at Tesla and they wanted to exceed or excel, this is the book I would ask them to read. I would only apologize and say, I'm sorry, you've got to read through some extra content that I haven't figured out how to cut out yet. I wish the book was faster for you to read, but this is what I would want you to read before starting at Tesla in any position or SpaceX. This is, I think, the business book of the near future. Um, so I want everyone in the world to read it. I'm super proud of its content. The execution could get better. Please, world, help me make second edition, third edition leaner, more impactful. Amplify the good stuff and remove the duplication and the ands and the ors and the buts and the sows, so it flows fast.
0: Uh, congrats again on having it published. Um, it looks to be in the... Tremendously successful so far. Now we did a giveaway, a signed copy giveaway.
1: Okay, I'm I'm opening LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, by the way, LinkedIn is a great way to stay in touch with Sander and I. Um, we we don't check it every day, but we check it regularly. Um, okay, I've got it. The... Sander, are you leaning towards somebody?
0: There one there's there's one answer with bacon. And any answer that has bacon in it is a, is a great answer.
1: By definition, by definition, I can't not agree. The candy of the meat world.
0: I have my, I have an idea, but it's your book. You're going to give it away.
1: Oh, you're fantastic. Sander.
0: If you have one, let me know. I'm going to give you a drum roll. So just to repeat the question, the question was, if you were to be elected president of Mars, how would you support empiricism to create a thriving community?
1: Man, these are, these are excellent answers. So Andres Eispris, uh, has probably the the highest utility answer. He's saying it depends on the starting point and using the plan, do, check, act cycle. So creating a feedback loop, empiricism, right? Scientific method, um, and gather, I data gather data to pivot. That is probably the highest utility answer, um, neil fallon then applies another essential human factor required for success which is how do you make it continue how do you make people opt into it and then takes the super controversial approach of saying make it a religion and and mysticize some (laughs) of it so people want to keep doing it and honestly something like that is required or people stop doing it right you got to make it luxurious or fun or, or something um and the the biodome part I, I love it, which is um, by Simone de Graaf. Absolutely am- amplifies the entertainment aspect, which is also required for this to work.
0: Which is a fantastic movie, by the way, Biodome.
1: I love it. And, and very very prescient, very topical, what we're talking about. Definitely. And Oran Cohen, Cohen has, has bacon and, and restaurants. And I'm a huge fan of uh, Ricardo's Agile restaurant in uh, Chelsea and London. And Iran is, is, is similar to what's going on with that. Okay, probably the most correct answer.
0: All right, give me a second, then you're going to get your drum roll. You
1: have picked yep. the winner. The response by a pod. Oh man, I've never us. He, he gives a short version of his name, Nodas. And it's Anastasio. Uh, please, let, let's become good friends so I can become fluent in, in how you like your name to be said, Notice uh, The answer he provides, help people experiment on what it is to be part of our colony on a new planet in a somehow safe manner, uh, still as a matter of survival after all. notice leaves open some questions about how to make that safe, how to contain it and yet give it freedom. But I think the principles are all in there. I, yes, let's do that. Notice, let's do it together. Let's try a few on Earth and then scale them out into orbit, maybe the moon, then get some over to Mars. Let's do it. Wonderful answer. And thank you so much, Sander Durr.
0: And thank you very much again to be here, Joe. Um, really enjoyed the conversation.
1: Sander, you're a phenomenally interesting person to converse with. And like I'm grateful for each and every time. Let's do it again when it makes sense. I, I'm stimulated to have these conversations with you. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Sandra.
0: Yes. Likewise. And that kind of triggered me when you were talking earlier about the, uh, about WikiSpeed. That there was actually an, a topic that I wanted to talk about, but then you mentioned it might be a good idea to do that more elaborately in a different, different session. So I'm going to take you up on that and to talk about WikiSpeed on a later point.
1: Love it, Sander. Each and every time I'll say, yes, you're you it's, it's so good to connect with you on these levels. Folks, please do read my book, Scrum Master, the Agile Training Seminar for Business Performance. It's on Amazon and LeanPub. Please do give me feedback feedback on where I can cut the book. I think the content is the best in the world. I really think I nailed it. That said, I think the book's too long. Please help me make it a more impactful, faster read. Please do read my books, Good Night Nut, Good Night Bolt. And... Everyone is Santa, my Agile children's books. They're on Amazon and they're on LeanPub. Please do take my seminars. I teach on European time, Asian time, and the America's time zones. Uh, The Certified Scrum Master Course, the Certified Scrum Product Owner Course, I'm rolling out right now. It's called the Agile Hardware Developer Now. I hope for it to become the Certified Scrum Developer Credential. All of these classes are likely very different than any other class by the same credential you've taken. This is what I would teach people going into the Musk companies. It just so happens to also give you a CSM credential, a CSBO credential, and I hope soon a CSB credential. If you already have those credentials, I do think my course will be very different. Um, It just so happens that you also get those credentials. I would love to work with you professionally in those classes. You can reach me anytime at at JoeJustice on Twitter. I'd ask that you also tag Sander so we can keep the conversation going and in the most interesting way. Thanks for having me on on the podcast. I I loved it.
0: Thank you very much, Joe Justice. Enjoy your day. I would like to thank our guest and you, the listener, for joining us again in this episode of Mastering Agility. This podcast is part of a series, so make sure to follow us on all the platforms that we provide. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Google Podcast, you name it. Make sure to go to the website of agilitymasters.com to subscribe to the newsletter in order to stay up to date on the latest information. Check out the show notes and how you can engage with our guests and myself to provide feedback, ask questions, more um, general inquiries, whatever. I would love to hear from you. Next week, we have another amazing episode lined up but make sure to tune in again until then.